I'm a really spiritual person, man. And I understand some people, you know, maybe they're not, but I, I believe, I believe in that connectivity in a lot of ways like this. I'm in tune with the, the eternal, the thing that's within us all, the thing that's between the stars, um, that thing that some people call God, that everything and nothing. I believe that's in every single person. Black creativity is unstoppable. The Studio Noise podcast takes you into the studio with Black artists and creatives making the art that moves the culture. You get to feel all the inspiration, technique, and passion behind the people making paintings, making sculptures, making prints, making noise. It's the Studio Noise podcast with your host, Jamal Barber. It's the noise. Yes, it's your boy, Jay Barber. An amazing thing can happen when you're working on a project. You go into it with an idea, and then as you're working, it starts to grow. And as you explore, it starts to shift directions. It becomes its own thing and ends up taking you on a journey. You thought you had your hands all over it, and really, it was in control. And it's beyond your control. And you're letting it happen, and that's good art right there. And that's what we got today with our special guest, Glenn Lutz, author and multidisciplinary artist with his new book, There's Light, Artwork in Conversations Examining Black Masculinity, Identity, and Mental Well-Being. The book's official release is July 12th, but it is available pre-order right now at there'slight.com and Amazon and other booksellers too. We got a link in the show notes for you so you can go and get you a copy. I got to read an advanced copy of it, a preview of it, and it was tremendous. I loved it. I'm still like going through it. It's it's just a fantastic read. This book is a collection of over 60 artworks from contemporary art legends and emerging talent alongside more than 30 interviews from artists, activists, psychologists, community organizers, authors, musicians, filmmakers, athletes, lawyers. It's just <laughs> it's so many, so much stuff going on in this book. But all the interviews are accompanied with artwork, including contributions from the late Virgil Abloh, Mark Bradford, Wyatt Sinek. Barkley Hendricks, Rashid Johnson, Glenn Ligon, Steve McQueen, Tyler Mitchell, Daryl L. Moore, Pope L. <laughs> it, it just goes on and on. We got Tim Short. You got Jamel Sebaz. There's so much in this one book. It's just so tremendous how they put it together. And I talked to Glenn about the book, some of the recurrent themes from anxiety and dealing with family history, being vulnerable as a black man, accepting who you are and how to use art as a vehicle for healing and expression. It's another great conversation on the noise, of course. You know, I keep bringing it to you. Studio Noise, always bringing you the best in contemporary black art. Go to www.studionoisepodcast.com, at Studio Noise Podcast on IG. If you like this episode, if you like what I'm doing, archiving the stories and voices of black artists all over the world, join the Patreon to help keep this going. Link is in the show notes. And every little bit you give to the show, I mean, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Matter of fact, I appreciate it so much. This is what I did. After I had this amazing conversation with Glenn, I read the book. I absolutely love it. I got to tell you, that's not no paid advertiser right there. You know, it's your boy, Jay Barber. And so I'm going to give it to you real. But I really like this book. I've read it twice, read through it twice. Uh, really digesting what's being said and what's not being said. Like, that's when you know you really got a great book. All the interviews are fantastic. and so. I love this book so much. I went, I went, sent an email back to Glenn. I said, Glenn, I've got to be able to give 
a copy of this to the listeners because we do all this talking about it, but I want them to see it. I want them to, I want them to really get with it, live with it. And so we're going to give away a copy of the book. And it's been a long time since we did giveaways on the podcast, but I decided this was the time. Here's what we're going to do. Go over to Studio Noise Podcast, that's Studio Noise with a Z. And today, when the episode drops, it's June 7th, there'll be a post about the book. I want you to comment your thoughts about the episode and tag up to three people that you think would love to read a book like this, a book with all these great interviews in it. And if you share it to your stories, there'll be another opportunity for you to get it. So you'll have up to five chances uh, to be entered into the drawing. All the people on Patreon automatically enter <laughs> to be on the show. Uh, membership has its privileges, as they say. And on Monday, June 13th, I'll end the contest and I'll select the winner. So, you know, good luck to everybody. Please comment. Uh, please share it with all other people, yo. Like get in on this. It's a really tremendous, fantastic book. We'll be posting about it all week on IG. And so I love to I love to hear your thoughts about the interview. And I love to get you one of these books. So so good luck to everybody out there. And when the book comes out July 12th, you can have this book in your mailbox delivered to you from the noise, a gift to you from the noise or from Glenn Lutz. And so I really I really do think it's one of those books you gotta live with. You gotta get into you wanna share it with other people. So so good luck to all y'all. And after the break, it's Glenn Lutz talking that good talk. It's the noise, baby. Yes. Hi, this is Clarence Hayward, painter and collagist, and you are now listening to Studio Noise. All right, it's your boy Jay Barber, Studio Noise, back with more. Always bringing you the best. Today we got a special guest on, Mr. Glenn Lutz, author and multidisciplinary artist, right here with us on the show. How you doing, Glenn? Man, I'm well, brother. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you, man. Oh, no doubt, man. No doubt. You know, I I've been looking through. Uh, well, everybody don't know yet. <laughs> Glenn got a new <laughs> book coming out, coming out in July. I've had the pleasure of looking through it a little bit, and, and so happy to have this conversation with you because it's one thing to make art; it's another thing to make art that has a message and has a meaning, and inspires conversation. Mm-hmm. I think that's what this book does. The book there's mm-hmm. light artwork and conversations examining black masculinity, identity, and mental well-being. It's coming out in July. Bob and Man Glenn includes has some fantastic contributors like as part of this thing, man. I, actually, uh, I'm gonna list some of the contributors, but then I'm gonna kick it to you so you can explain it a little bit. We got Virgil Abloh, Mark Bradford, Rashid Johnson, Tyler Mitchell, Pope L, Yashua Claus, my man, been on the podcast, and so many mm-hmm. other people uh, that are having a lot of these conversations. You have a lot of interviews and artwork that goes along with it, uh, having around these conversations, but. Tell a little bit about the book before we get going. Yeah, man. Um, you know, the subtitle really kind of puts it together. You know, artworks and conversations examining black masculinity, identity and mental well-being and really how how we express those things. Um, diving deep into ourselves to understand ourselves more in our work, um, sharing our stories. And I wanted to make, you know, the book I wanted when I was young, mm. um, something visual, something tactile that I could hold 
you know, going back to listening to an album and, and flipping through the album cover while you're getting the message um, and something, something beautiful that's presentable. Um, but yeah, really like a Bible of sorts, just showcasing the stories of different men and how they've moved through certain things and, and true stories in a contemporary setting. And yeah, just interviewing and, and creating a space where um, we can have healthy vulnerability. Um, and that was the intention for the book and something for young people, older people, parents, uh, single people, teenagers, artists, uh, people who are finding themselves in the day-to-day nine-to-five grind and may have questions about why or why I'm here, um, how we become an artist, what is an artist, what is Black masculinity, what is identity, you know, why does it matter, um, how does it shape me, you know, how do I shape myself? Um, so, so many things that I was interested in. So, a lot of whys, a lot of why questions, and personally for me, like, why am I here? You know, and I'm not um, religious at this point in my life. And so um, I think I kind of maybe stray away from maybe God-given purpose, per se, uh, as far as that specific language. But I do find that beauty in purpose of being part of a whole, that this human race, and as we begin to pull back and look at our specific identity as Black people in this country and around the world, um, immigrants, people growing up in America, yeah, how that shapes us um, and what our purpose is individually, collectively, why we're here, how we share life together. Um, so it can it can be kind of grand and I, I, I having all these different ideas and then kind of putting it in a funnel and trying to create something that that's digestible um, and that's honest um, in this time. Because it's a uh, it's crazy time. Oh, yeah. Times have been crazy, you know, all throughout human civilization and history. But yeah, we find ourselves in this time and, you know, health crisis and financial crisis and racism and mass shootings and, um, yeah, dealing with trauma, trauma of losing a family member to COVID, trauma of being in a systemic racist society and, and how that plays itself out and those hurdles that we face. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot of stuff, um, but that's what the book brings together. Absolutely. And on the, and going through it, uh, you have so many interviews from so many people that are covering all the spectrum, right? In terms of being creators, creating what they create, how they create uh, their ages, everything like it's so varied. And there's, mm-hmm. there's a way that you, when you're having the conversations, the conversations are laid out for you in the book of all the people and the way you're having a conversation, allowing these people to be so open. And that's one mm-hmm. thing that you never really see or never get to see a lot of, uh, mm-hmm. or people don't mm-hmm. of black men being open and honest about their anxieties, their problems, their fears, their hopes, mm-hmm. their journey. Um, the the past stuff that really has been affecting them that we never talk about. And you, you know, a few of the people you talked to mentioned that kind of thing in particular. What was it about the setup that you think allowed these men to be so open about what they were doing? Man, you know, it's, it's beautiful, man. Um, you know, I, uh, I approached it intentionally um, and wanted that to be the case. And, you know, also 
try to share, you know, where I'm coming from and, and my journey. Um, and I, I also was intentional in seeking out artists that I thought would be willing to do it. Uh, maybe have said certain things in previous interviews. You know, mm-hmm. there was a lot of research for the book and, and reading their work or just looking at their canon of, of work, whether it was photography or paintings, um, and trying to kind of find themes within that and then putting it together. And I think, you know, if, from an interview perspective, going into it prepared and understanding their craft um, and understanding where they've been uh, it's, it's beautiful to hear like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So you check that out, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so that, you know, that's also, you know, heartwarming as you're doing it. Um, but yeah, being prepared um, and, and not being surface because, um, you know, we're just, we're at a time where it's like, uh, it's, listen, we're in a consumerist society, you know, we're in, we're here, you know, and yeah. it's like, what do you bring to the table? Uh, what's your resume? Uh, can you sum it up in a bio for me? Uh, let me see that in the press kit. Um, even just in standard society, if we're if we're you know not talking about trying to you know go into the art world or something like that, you know we swipe through people on a dating app. You you lay that thing out for me, right? You know uh, what do you do? Do you like to hike? You like this? You like that? Right. And we we limit ourselves and really smash our identity into these boxes and that doesn't make for the full scope of our our human spectrum and um yeah so so asking questions that aren't you know just like so you got this project coming out you know and like you know things that are very surface level about maybe how well they're doing right now but like okay this is so you're oh you're 39 okay so how long have you been doing this? And mm. when did you begin to see things maybe manifest? Like, well, I, I've been doing this since high school. Is it, okay, well, let's talk about the 20s, right? Like, what what did that feel like? You know what I mean? Going through that thing. Yeah. And then even then you might get like a surface level answer, but maybe there was something that they presented or maybe just said in passing in a certain interview about, yeah, I was in a car at one point. And, but yeah, so I had been doing it. And it's like, okay, you were in the car that's really relatable. Let's talk about that. You know, what was the situation? Were you homeless? Was there a place you could go? And then you begin to really see that journey and um, time and the time, right? Because we're in the microwave society. You know, when you put that post out or, or whatever in our culture, you know, it's immediate. It's like, what's going on right now? What did you do now? We're constantly celebrating the wins, um, and that can make for cheap work. Um, that can make for work where you're not really diving as deep as you want to do, mm-hmm. um, and you're you're rushing it. And you know, there's there's beauty in the microwave. You know what I mean? But being able to actually cook and and put together those ingredients. I mean, and sometimes let's just say the ingredients are the institutions if we want to say to get to a project sometimes you have to grow the plant to have the ingredient and the spices right right and you're doing it from nothing right and that takes time you got to water that you're not even at the point where you get to buy the pot yet and that's you know what i mean like 15 20 years and those are the stories i wanted to hear in the book and present to people because um yeah we're, we're varied and uh yeah, these things aren't easy. And so when you see 
you know, Jamie Foxx and, and how talented he is and winning the Oscar and all these things. It's like the comedy grinds. Like, oh, yeah, he was a stand-up. It's like, well, do you realize how long he was a stand-up? How much he was making as a stand-up right. before the Jamie Foxx show, right? Yeah. And so I want to talk about that period, you know. Did you feel like giving up, you know? Um, how did you program your mind to uh, stay, stay vigilant and stay, uh, stay ready for battle as various hurdles come that are self-imposed, societally imposed? How did you do it? You know. And I think coming into the book, you have a forward like right at the beginning. And I think what always makes for a great interview is the point of view of the interviewer, right? And mm -hmm. so you expressing your own uh, dealings with anxiety and OCD and bipolar disorder, all the stuff that you talk about allows you to hear what's not being said, right? To really listen at between the lines to you have a different understanding of what this black man is going through because you are also going through it, right? Mm -hmm. Am I right or wrong? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, I mean, that's, so even with everything, you know, that I was just mentioning about those societal hurdles or financial hurdles um, to create the life you're yearning to create, whatever that is, um, the mental hurdles, right? And, and understanding that um, you're not your thoughts. Um, and so, and that's, that's my belief. That's what I've taken on my journey, right? Sometimes you're, you're working against uh, programming from traumas in your childhood, things your dad said to you, things your dad didn't say because he wasn't there, uh, things you heard on the schoolyard, all of these things that have shaped you, um, violence you've seen, the fact that you got to stay ready, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, make sure you're not caught slipping, what that looks like, how that shapes your identity, um, how you present your masculinity, whether you're behaving out of love or fear, along with chemical imbalances, um, depression, um, self-hatred, uh, wanting to be anybody but yourself. You know, I was uh, on that new Kendrick album. Right. Was a song like that. Yeah. Yep. You yeah. Know, we can relate to that. Um, so, yeah, man, it's um, that's part of the hurdle. And so for me, that's been my biggest hurdle. And, you know, that's being a black man, you know, growing up in California, you, whether it's literally having cops pull a gun to my head for making a wrong turn. And, you know, you're in that moment, right? And you're on the floor, and, you know, it's personal experience. Uh, or gang situations where you're getting banged on, you know, very California stuff, um, pre pretending, you know what I mean, I'm more street than I am or something, mm -hmm. to get out of a situation or, right? All these things. But then the biggest hurdle, right? Those are hurdles, right? You know, fighting, whatever, losing family members. Those are major hurdles. Uh, being told by society as a black man, you know, to behave a certain way. And it's, it's not a pity part. It's just life, right? But going from there, it's something we all can relate on and we've all had our various experiences with. Then now we can get to the mental <laughs> hurdle on top of that and being your own worst enemy. Um, and putting up limitations for yourself, uh, not forgiving yourself. Um, and then, yeah, going back again, the things like depression, anxiety, 
uh, and fighting through that. And uh, one of one thing I, I love in the book, I mean, there's so many gems in, in each interview. And that was based on the vulnerability of the interviewees. Right. Uh, but, but Carl Jones, um, creator of the Boondocks, producer of The Last OG, Black Dynamite, right? Legend, right? Boondocks, I mean, a piece of art uh, and, and timeless and brought up so many issues. And hearing him talk about and being open enough to talk about having anxiety before a meeting with Comedy Central or you know, going into that and literally having to, you know, go to the bathroom to catch his breath. Right. Mm. That's, that's relatable. You know, I, before this interview, you know, I'm feeling that, you know, energy and I'm gonna call it energy. And it's like, you can kind of transmute that, you know what I mean? And kind of Hadouken that where you want to, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. is it anxiety or is it excitement? Right. You can make a choice to label that. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it can be very much electric, you know, it's in your chest, you know, it's in your arms, you, you're excited, your heart rate's going up, uh, maybe you're clenching your teeth, you can kind of physically begin to work through that, uh, taking a breath, maybe unclenching the jaw, um, your body responds to that clenching of the jaw, okay, and then saying, I'm actually really excited about this, and I like what Jamal's doing with the podcast, and there's so many interesting people on there, I want to say something good, it's like, okay, you know, now we're getting somewhere. Okay, just be honest, bro. Like, right. just, yeah. you know, be real, man. Just, you know, be honest about this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, and so you're saying, okay, rather than, you know, anxiety or, or all these things, there can be excitement there and beginning to work through that. Um, and then just being, you know, courage, right? Courage doesn't exist without fear. So going back to that, Carl Jones example, is like, yeah, you can have that anxiety, but then going and doing it, even if you're shaking, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and that translates on so many levels and, and phone calls on the journey um, to doing what you're what you're doing. And for me, um, and you learn over time and you get stronger. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, dealing with dealing with those things. But, yeah, obsessive compulsive disorder, anxiety, depression, uh, bipolar disorder, uh attempted suicide like you name it uh i've kind of been there man um so, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. and i think going through it you you start to see like even all these varied people from all these different places writers activists artists you know um filmmakers all these people they all are dealing with you see so many commonalities like in terms mm -hmm. of people dealing and coping with depression like, um, mm -hmm. you know, issues with their fathers, like so many other things. We're going to go through like a couple of commonalities I started to see and just mm -hmm. key points. One was the macho thing where Will, Wilbur mm -hmm. Cooper's talked about the macho thing a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and a lot of stories were about that. I mean, Damon Davis, uh, one of the interviews talked about his brother showing mm -hmm. him how to fight. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. in, in a lot of stuff like that, it's this performative, performative aspect of Mm -hmm. what we think people expect of us and then we mm -hmm. have to do the thing in order for them to consider us to be quote-unquote men you know what i mean mm -hmm. like what, what yeah. as you as you talked about it how do you think that kind of idea came and was a thread really through all of this yeah because it's so real you know it's so real like it's you know it's it's cultural it's um it's what's presented you know i'm i'm one of those people 
I'm a firm believer in like programming, man. You know, it's like when Jay-Z was like, you know, you know why they call it a project? Because it's a project <laughs> yeah. and we're in it and it only is object. You know, and it's like, yeah, I, I look at programming as the same way. You got your television program, you know, and so there's ideas that are going to always be presented through the media. And you have to be careful about that diet. With that being said, it's the mixture of just being in the world. And so I definitely don't have, you know, the answer, but I, you know, personally, I do find myself, you know, I kind of want to, you know, I'm a smaller dude. I'm not a tough guy, you know, but I, I like to work out, whatever. But it's like, you know, I almost want to be like a, a, a loving, you know, tough person that's, that can be, you know, uh, <laughs> right. protect my family when it needs to be. But I want people to always know it's like love. Tough as in being willing to protect my family um, at any given point in time. And that that bravery uh, at any given point in time, if that were a situation. But other than that, you know, when I see another black brother, man, it's, it's all love. I mean, like, and people in general, right? We're going through different things. We're faced with different issues. We have different opinions, people on different sides of the aisle. Um, personally, you know, love or fear, you know? And so I, I'm intentional on trying to, whenever I can choose love. Um, but yeah, with that being said, it's, it's real, right? In certain communities and like, yeah, I, you know, I grew up in the suburbs, but I think California, as is a lot of places, you know, it's unique. You can go down a few streets and you're in a different part of town. And, you know, I was, you know, middle class and, and had a lot of privilege and went to private schools and simultaneously while acting on shows like sister sister and the parenthood and these things i was also then you know on the weekend hanging out with my friends that you know brothers are in this gang or that gang. and you know it's like so i i found myself being very performative mm -hmm. and and pretty much using acting chops quite frankly to um to just move through certain scenarios and uh if someone tested me and like being conscious of like okay, yeah, I don't really want to possibly, you know, take the chance where either I'm going to be like severely hurt or they're hurt or whatever, but it's, um, yeah, just trying to show like, man, it's all love, bro, and just being, showing I'm not like scared of getting into something or whatever, and that I'm here, you know, I'm present, um, and I'm, I'm grateful to be here, and, you know, I'll protect myself, but showcasing love at any given point that I can, um, and, and leading with that because people behave based on, you know, it's, it's not personal, mm -hmm. you know, isn't that, isn't that crazy? You know, that situation yeah. that we've faced, whether that's with a police officer, whether that's a racist situation, as far as it being like inherently personal, personal, as in this person knowing you, who you are, um, and all of those intricate details that make you who you are. Um, it's, it's not, that personal and so you're seeing trauma play out you're seeing um maybe someone who's just not even conscious and kind of just living based on previous situations which is kind of what we're all doing but being at least aware enough and introspective enough to begin to try to remove what you can or see why certain things are in your in your life but yeah the macho thing i mean it's real man especially as black men oh know? yeah 
Oh yeah. <laughs> and I, and yeah. I, I think I see it a, a lot in terms of, um, and I think uh, it hits on to a lot of the, I'm talking more still overarching themes from all the interviews together. Uh, there's an anxiety that happens from have from feeling like you have to do this thing that is not necessarily natural for you, right? Mm-hmm. To be violent, mm-hmm. to be aggressive, to be all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And like as you like you were saying, to lead with love is almost showing weakness, you know, in mm-hmm. certain in certain instances. And so like these situations, people, a lot of people get themselves in the situations, good people get themselves mm-hmm. in the situation when they start acting out of themselves and what is natural to them because they have to or feel this kind of, I would call it fear, right? This fear mm-hmm. of what will happen if I do leave with love and when am I willing to accept the consequences of that and whatever it feels like. And so that's a tough thing for yeah. people to deal with when you're talking about a lot of these, um, as we're going, we're talking about childhood situations. You're dealing with a child, a man, a boy that doesn't know all the things that we know now and is not confident and secure, is just trying to figure it out in a world that is much bigger than him. And now mm-hmm. you're asking this boy to have the fortitude to uh, deal with his own anxiety without guidance. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of that times, like it leads to other situations and, you know, stuff gets out of control real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a few things that came to my mind as you were saying that, um, number one being that, you know, we are animals. <laughs> so we have the animal brain, we have fight or flight, mm-hmm. you know, and as we've evolved, um, those things at different points in the, history of humanity have been more or less necessary at different points in time. So, yeah, I mean, we, that is part of who we are. Um, So understanding that and then trying to transcend and control yourself and be, be in, be your own master in your own way to control your own mind and your responses. And that's being intentional and being aware um, and that gets you out of a lot of trouble or just like programmed responses to certain triggers in all aspects of life. Um, and uh, the other thing I think about is, um, and, and before I say it, I'll say like I grew up in a very Christian household and that was a big part of my, I think, mental health issues because I think uh, it was it was a programming of you know, being really born in the church. And I have so much love for people that are in the church. And, you know, most of my family are devout, you know, born again Christians, but that wasn't the journey for me. And um, with that being said, though, I still find so much truth in, in the Bible. And so verses that meant something a little bit different to me when I was younger mean something different now. Mm-hmm. Um, I just see them a different way. So for example, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thy own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. But when we talk about God and we say, you know, God is love. And so you see in the Bible constantly God and being him. You know, most people you're going to meet don't really believe there's a man in the sky in a chair. We believe God is something much bigger. And so when in a verse like that, you're hearing the word him and the Lord 
And we understand that God is love, and that translates through almost all faith traditions. Um, you know, you can hear Malala Yousaf when she's asked as a Muslim woman, you know, what is God? And she says, God is love. Or, you know, when, you know, in a Baptist or Presbyterian or Methodist or, you know, even a Mormon church, God being love, right? So in that kind of verse, when you're leading with love and you allow love to guide your way, um, which is, you know, how I'm choosing to my, it's not every day, right? It's like, I'm not here saying I got it because I really don't, right? But it's knowing those things and constantly making the choice to take the higher ground. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what that verse means to me, you know? And it's like, yeah, I have that power within me. So in a situation, you know, I'm going to choose love as, as much as I can, um, whether that's in a, uh, an argument with a partner or a disagreement with a partner. And it's like, what is love in this situation? Is it like a self-serving, I need to get my point across, you know? And it's like, nah, that's not love. That's fear. You're afraid that like you're not being heard. It's like, okay, so how do I respond to my partner? Have an open ear, have a listening ear. That's choosing love. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Letting it guide thy way, right, in your life. Um, and so, yeah, if I'm in a situation and, you know, I see a brother and I'm like, oh, it's a nice shirt, man. And this dude is on that like macho stuff, like oh, this nigga's a lame. You know? He ain't gonna yeah. say oh, he over here dick riding, you know? Right? It's like, well, I'm choosing love, man. God bless, bro. Like we yeah. in this together, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I hope whatever's going on, it gets better tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's the way I choose to live. But it's a a constant, you know, thing. And so yeah, even in social media, you know, you know, people talk about dick riding and all that stuff. You know, it's like you, it's a I mean, in some ways it's a fine line, but as like a black man that sees the world and the turmoil in the world, not only in our community, but just across the planet in general, and then not only just as humanity, like the planet, you know what I mean? Like we're in a space. So the first thing I'm going to do is start with like love for, for black men, black women, you know, black people in general. So that's the start. That's going to be the nucleus. Um, and then going from there. So yeah, people can, you know, call it what they want, but it's also, it's kind of like you said, like it's being aware, maybe not opening yourself yeah. up too much for disappointment or, you know, and kind of being in the balance because I'm a Libra. So it's always balanced. <laughs> for me. Um, yeah. You know, even being half white, half black, you know, uh, all this, like, it's like being in the, the middle, I find in a lot of ways, but, yeah, that balance of, okay, you know, showing love, but being confident in who I am and, and being firm and also being open to new ideas. And so, yeah. And I think it's, it's a, it's a sign of really the times that we're in where I think um, we're allowing space for people to get to that point. And then like before mm -hmm. where, like, I think about like, you know, my father and, and the people in his generation uh, mm -hmm. are much harder people, right? Yeah, but mostly because they had to be like in order to survive and they didn't have all the kind of therapy and the tools and, and the language mm -hmm. and kind of these uh, constant conversations that we are provoking from people to get to the mm -hmm. heart of the matter of what's really bothering them. Like what's really bothering you is that you are mm -hmm. clinically depressed. 
mm-hmm. right? And then like underneath the issues until you resolve that underlying part of what is giving you anxiety and mm-hmm. identifying it and coming to terms with it, uh, that allows for you to have this kind of, of more nuanced conversation about who you are as an individual and where you want to go and what you need for yourself. I think that's an interesting part of it. And and the the different ways through all these interviews where you realize like how people have been coping with the things that has happened to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, as you're saying that it, um, it kind of harkens this idea of like the micro and like the macro maybe is a a way um, that I kind of describe it where, micro and not not saying micro isn't it's like smaller but like on a personal level right personal um, yeah that's, those, that's a great way to put it yeah like the things that we're kind of talking about about what's at the root of that um and looking at those things in your life um and then i would even involve in that personal um i would involve how we've shifted as a entire species from much more communal living um, you know, even a couple generations back, the idea of the church and maybe there was a potluck every Sunday. And obviously people are still involved with that. But as we go back a few more generations, I mean, it was all in the village, the community. We were much more communal, sharing food. And so that shift to a much more self-independent um, style of living. You yeah. know, you're 18, move out, you know, get your own spot. Yeah. When culturally that wouldn't have made any sense financially just to, couple generations back until maybe you know you're getting married in that time but i say all that to say that's kind of the personal and then it reminds me of the macro which maybe is a little bit bigger where some of those stresses of depression anxiety are really coming from death that's coming Mm. right and why am i even here like and so am i here to put together the best me right the best kind of self-absorbed and create my little castle for my little point of time and uh how big can i make that castle how much money can i have how much security how many people like me do you like that should i buy that should i wear that that's what we wear okay i'm gonna wear that i need y'all to like me i need Mm, why am i here like i need to be seen like death is coming i want to do as much as i can before we get there right and this like kind of like it's subconscious but it's like this loud clock that's just ticking in the back of our subconscious and what that means am i doing enough am i fitting in is this good enough um and that is is heavy and different people respond to that different ways whether there's a heaven on the other side of that whether it's meditation and just being present um and I, I found different, different things, but I think um, beginning to remove and say, you know, as much as living in a society, one that we're living in now, where we do have to create some sort of identity. And as much as I just want to be Eckhart Tolle, I am the universe and just float off into the sky, like I am required to be able to put that food on the table to be, pre- to be here. I have to do certain things. And it's like, well, what does that even mean then? Um, How much do I involve on myself? Uh, Is that narcissism? Is that, you know, how much do I put to that to make sure that 
I can at least do something worthwhile um, while also accepting that we're part of the one. We're part of something bigger. And it's okay to be a part of that one. Right. It's okay. Yeah. It's How- okay. Not only, not only are we like one species, um, and again, like starting from uh, how I describe as like the personal or the micro with this book as black men or people who have been presented or uh, designated male at birth, black male, um, and how that shapes our existence. But when you look at Earth from outer space, that's one thing right there. You know, (laughs) if aliens were to fly towards this planet and just see it, it's like that's one thing. Like the panda is no different than that tree. Like that is one thing right there, a blue and green thing with some you know, white around that, clouds, whatever. And it's just, that's one thing. And then to even go even bigger that we're in the universe and it's one thing. And so to say, okay, I'm going to do as much as I can to live a life um, of love or at least to do something, but beginning to accept my role. Like I'm not, you know, we're not bigger than that. Like we, we can try, you know, but, you know, we don't even know Shakespeare's real name and that's Shakespeare. You know, um, you know, if there's anyone that's the most famous, you know, it's Jesus, Buddha, you know, it's like, what are we trying to create so much and why the why again, is it to make the world better? Is it to share ideas? Is it to find beauty in the communal? Um, is it to grow? Is it to make life better for your children? Um, the people around you to spread love or is it the self-serving kind of feeding this this beast that never has enough food and always requires something new and a new idea and, and being as quote unquote great as possible. Um, and I think that's going to give you anxiety and depression because oh, yeah. there's never enough. Oh, yeah. You're the toughest guy, there's somebody tougher. Yeah. Don't worry about that. You know, you're an amazing basketball player. There's Michael Jordan. Okay, yeah, he's the only <laughs> one that can say. You know what I'm saying? But there's probably a man hooping somewhere on the street just like that had it man it just yeah. like didn't get to the lead you know yeah, but, didn't get there but but yeah like there's always someone bigger better so just you know and that's why we see even in hip-hop whatever i'm the best now i'm the best like you know it's just like you know that that ego that need to be which is really a running from death and that that scares people i think again these are things i've i've gathered along the way but yeah Hey, this is Yeshua Kloss. I'm a visual artist from Chicago, living in Brooklyn, doing my thing thing, how I do it. And you are now listening to Studio Noise. I think it reminds me of, as you were talking, thinking about um, the Gullah Geechee, right? I mean, down south, mm-hmm. they, they had a shared communal experience to the point where mm-hmm. they didn't have fences, like people in, in terms of like owning land and where you built your house, they didn't have it divided up legally, like where we can have a sheet of paper that tells you where your property and where my property is. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the battle becomes when people do have those values and they come in and they start um, getting distant cousins to come and represent the family. Now that allows them to buy your house 
tear it down and build a condo on it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's that type yeah. of thing. So you have a, a, a juxtaposition between uh, a communal force that was good for everybody that's provided mm-hmm. for everybody through some of the hardest times. And now mm-hmm. it's being tested and broken down piece by piece by a capitalist system that comes to, to take everything and put in a scrap of value to the things that don't have value. The community, mm-hmm. um, the love of community has no particular value that you can put a number on, but it was mm-hmm. super important and was the foundation of all of these people. And now that gets broken up by these outside mm-hmm. forces. I think that's what happens to black people as well. Like in mm-hmm. all around where we have a sense of community and we have to adapt and change and deal with all these other circumstances in all these cities and all these mm-hmm. redlining and, you know, all the things that happen. Um, mm-hmm. And so it doesn't allow for us to be ourselves. And like the fight is tiring, you know, and, mm-hmm. it's, and it's hard to continue for so long and still try to hold on to that sense of self. Mm. Yeah, man, I agree wholeheartedly. And um, I don't know if you got to this point in the book, it's, it's near the end, but uh, Chef Bryant Terry, um kind of discussed that a little bit um and that interview was really interesting because it began to tie in a little bit more of the physical mm-hmm. and how that applies to our mental health being with food um and a, a few people talked about uh physical exercise and these different things and um the direct correlation but one thing brian terry said uh was this idea of like eating communally on a weekend in the community and putting together money to create um, and to cook that food and then, you know, divvying it up in pots and, and it's, it sounds so, so beautiful. And obviously, again, I think the church has historically kind of served as that in our communities, um, at least in this country, um, in the last 400, 500 years. But yeah, like when we when we continue to go back generationally and historically, being in the village and and just sharing those things and yeah, and that's there's this yeah we're missing that we're missing that and for we, sure. We we're heavily affected by that, and the connection that we're yearning for, and that we are using screens to try to get. That's just a cheap substitute. Exactly. And similarly, being this is an art podcast, uh, I'll just connect it. A similar cheap, you know, substitute seeing work in person uh, versus the phone. But it's it's the same thing. It's being present with something, um, you know, and being there, even if that's in a conversation rather than the the type and the text and all that. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful tool. It's a beautiful tool. The internet, uh, beautiful tool. But to make that the the core of our existence and like the fundamental how we relate to people and how we commune is just like it's not. It's not it. I, I say this on a podcast a lot, where I, I talk about the uh, blackness as a collective experience, where it's not simply you defining mm-hmm. blackness for yourself, but there's so many other stories that relate directly to who you are and can serve as example. Um, mm-hmm. is it the point you were making about death is really interesting because in a lot of these, um, a lot of the interviews, people are talking about their experiences with death, whether 
family members dying, how uh, they related to their father who ended up passing away was not in their life and passed away. And Mellow X was a songwriter for Beyonce on Lemonade um, talked about going to a funeral in a glass casket was and his mother mm-hmm. showed him the person in the glass casket and him not understanding what was happening. And I think mm-hmm. part of that affects how you see yourself in with all the stuff that we know about how, you know, the average age black man is going to be 22 or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. like that puts a different um, pressure. And you talked about this a little bit on the decisions that you make, because you do mm-hmm. start to think and feel, I don't have that much time left. Like, like mm-hmm. I'm 16 year old and this might be it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, doing all kinds of reckless things, um, not mm-hmm. thinking about the future. Um, tell me a little bit about that as, as a thread throughout the book that you were thinking. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the last thing you just said, it just, it, it reminds me of like youth, man. It's like, you know, um, I will say seeing some of the young people today that are like 16, 15, um, I remember there was like a clip where people were like amazed by Yara Shahidi, like just talking. Like, damn, like that, she is smart. Like, right. Oprah, just like, whoa. Yeah. Like, but I've seen that a lot, right? And I've, I've felt that way. When I was that age, no, I was not thinking about my feet. I was like, I was really, I was, I was really present with like my uh, <laughs> depression. <laughs> That's what I was present with. But um, yeah, man, I think, uh, yeah, that that clock. I'll, I'll say this, man. I um, I'm a really spiritual person, man, and I understand some people, you know, maybe they're not, um, or they don't identify as being like a, a spiritual person. Um, but I, I believe, I believe in that connectivity. I believe um, in a lot of ways like this. I'm in tune with the. Uh, the eternal, the thing that's within us all, the thing that's between the stars, um, that thing that some people call God, that everything and nothing, I believe that's in every single person. I believe that that we sometimes have to just allow for removal of self, of self to get closer to that, while simultaneously embracing our individuality and what role we play in the whole within our own culture specifically and then in this as a species in a planet um so i find personally uh a lot of questions man i just um i think the fool you know thinks they know something you know and i've had things that have worked for me on my journey that you know i've taken and i've applied and learned from mistakes um but yeah, I don't, I don't think I've got the answers, but it's, uh, it's being open. And so this book, you know, it's things with time. You're talking about the rushing. It's having faith, you know, that whatever is going to happen is going to happen. So for me, I'm definitely aware of like death, having lost like really my, my best friend, uh, brother to me and, and family members and even just with COVID. And every time we turn on the news or you hear about another story about like senseless murder um, or 
a car accident or mass shootings, right? Like, and so I don't believe there's like a hand necessarily like controlling these things, like it, because it would be so, so ugly. Uh, but I will say in the midst of that, like we have the power mm-hmm. as a collective to shift and that God energy uh, is within all of us. And again, talking about, cause I grew up in the church, man. So when I would hear something like the Holy spirit or, you know, if you were accepting Christ into your heart and it's like that idea of God being within you, well, yeah, that, that, that checks out, right? You, different faith traditions begin to bring that in as that, like that energy within you. And even if you were atheist, you're like, no, nah, it's just an explosion, it's big bang, nothing like that. Well, what is that energy that could spark that? When you look at a tree in that beauty, when you look at the fact that, you know, you can reproduce, whatever that is, whatever you want to call it, that is the bigger thing, mm, right? Mm-hmm. That's bigger than you and me having a conversation about it. So it's bigger than you telling me like there's nothing that exists. Like the fact that you can tell me that, that's the thing. And that's the thing like everyone's kind of talking about or not talking about. But I think that's within us. So we have the power to begin to shift or shape that. And every day is a blessing and it's not promised. And it is senseless when things happen. And someone's life, you know, it's taken, you know, and snatched you know, um, and, and it's, it's dark, you know, and, um, there isn't, again, it's my journey, man. Um, it's like, there isn't necessarily like, you can't say that, like, you're, you can't pray that this is that, or this is going to happen like that because the things happen and different people are influenced by different things. And, you know, someone, somewhere else is going to go out and do something horrific and terrible. And, there isn't a hand that's going to stop that in the sky. So it's within all of us and different people tap in to that very powerful energy and put into it all sorts of things. And you can put into it. I want to, I want to do something while I'm here with this time. I can't tell you if I'm going to be here 10 years from now, I have ideas of things I'd like to do with this life with precious time that we've been given, but it can go at any given point in time. And sometimes I think about that even while making the book, you know, you want to rush the process. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is, again, another theme that comes up in the book. Uh, Made me think of Maurice Carlos Ruffin, Mm -hmm. uh, who's in the book talking about this specifically. Um, But yeah, you wanting to rush maybe to get to an end point. Um, And yeah, I've just decided to, you know, kind of adopt more of a Buddhist philosophy and being grateful that I'm here right now. And while I'm here, whatever I can do every day. So when I talk to my parents, like I'm grateful that I'm speaking. I don't know if there's going to be a next time, you know? So it's, it's love and just being here for that. And, and, um, and yeah, we've, we've realized that, like, I mean, we've known that, but yeah, when you're in the midst of a, a global pandemic, and people are dropping like flies or you have people full of hatred and uh, confusion um, that are going into stores and schools and committing the darkest of atrocities. 
um yeah they're they're tapping into that energy for the wrong outcome and it affects on a big big level so trying to tap into that for something better and fight in the war um a war for something better and maybe you know we never get there as like a puritanical place it's just the constant yin and yang uh night and day <laughs> wow. i don't know if that's yeah. really morbid but <laughs> i mean it's <laughs> no because it's, I, 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 it's yeah. very interesting because it, that puts me in the frame of mind of of where i was as i was going through the book where it became even as you hear these stories and you see men being open and revealing their issues of trauma and how they're dealing with it and you know get into like all the little details about uh the things that happen um getting to that place of understanding who they are that ultimately is what we're trying to do and I, I'm, i'll move to the art a little bit and talk about uh, in my artwork and in their artwork and all the artists included in it i think there's that little bit of that too where when you because when you're outside of it and you're seeing and encountering this piece uh, I think about Rashid Johnson. You have one of his anxious, mm-hmm. um, um, anxious red men drawn in it in your book. And when you encounter that piece, especially in person, it's beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. It ignites a feeling in you because there is a connection mm-hmm. to a man that is being completely honest. I think um, um, Wyatt Sinek uh, was one of the mm-hmm. people who talk about speak, speak to your truth uh, in what mm-hmm. you do. Um, tell me mm-hmm. in the ways that you wanted to use art, visual, the visual arts, the paintings, the photographs, everything that you've included to kind of enhance that feeling that you were trying to go for in creating the book and having the interviews. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I guess with everything, you know, we've talked about here um, and getting to this point, like art is like everything to me. So, with all of that stuff being said in the human experience, um, I'm, I'm in love with art. So it's um, understanding ourselves, um, whether that's construction or deconstruction, uh, examination or explanation, um, the ways that we begin to understand ourselves through work uh, or we don't understand ourselves and how that manifests in our work. All of those things are just so powerful and they can open up a space for dialogue, um, dialogue with other people, dialogue within yourself, um, introspection. Why do I respond to this work in that way? So whether that's through portraiture and seeing ourselves in a physical way or photography, uh, capturing a moment, uh, painting a picture, um, whether that's through something conceptual, maybe an adverse reaction to an artwork that you find mundane. Maybe it's something that seems so simple. Why do I have that reaction to it? And how that even places you within the world itself. Uh, experience, the fact that you're seeing that you're having that experience. Just the, the, the air kind of between the artwork and you and what, what begins to happen there. And so, you know, we're in a culture where everyone has ideas, opinions. You know, I can turn on this or that, I can read a book, and they're gonna figure out my life, and they're gonna tell me what I need because it worked for them, you know. Um, and I do not subscribe to that. I believe 
that it's within. Um, I believe you need to go within. And so the beauty of our stories um, in our work, and then specifically as we're talking about within art, allow for inspiration um, and getting in tune. It's almost like, you know, diving in into this, this ocean of yourself. And it's almost like the, the, the water, um, the waves as you meet them are that artwork. And then you can begin to dive in, but the ocean is yourself. Um, and there's things there. And it's a way to understand us and to see the similarity um, and the universality that we all share. Um, and that's, that's what's exciting me. So artwork is that for me um, in, in creation. Um, and for me, I think at this point, it's, it's really examination. So I'm personally open to, to not understanding or maybe having a perfectly written, you know, MFA approved um, text box next to the artwork about what it is, but allowing space to not know, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. um, and, and what's there might be a lot more interesting um, responses to, to various images, ideas, um, or just what we're constantly inundated with on our phones and, and just how those things make up the mind begin to shape and, uh, what comes out. Um, so the art there is, and the stories aren't there to tell you what you're supposed to do. Um, everyone has different ways of going through it, you know, but it's, um, interesting ideas. And I kind of going back to the idea of the whole, to me, it's that beauty in this like collective consciousness. And there's so many answers to so many different questions there and creating a space where all of those things are kind of floating in that ether. And that's what I want in between those pages. And there's light there. That's why one of many ways, uh, kind of in a cyclical nature, I got to that title um, from one aspect because there's light and for light to exist, there has to be uh, darkness and embracing our shadow as a philosopher Carl Jung speaks about um, and embracing all of those things, not like some puritanical utopia. There's light and we're going to figure this out right, right here. Yeah, you know? yeah. But, but the beauty in that to take along your journey, you know, and to um, continue to equip yourself um, with knowledge um, to remove ignorance and to just learn and to apply what's necessary and to let go of what isn't. Um, but to get more in tune and using it as a tool to meet yourself in a much more intimate way. And so do you feel like this book, doing the process of this book, the interviews and put it together, helped you come to the same realization? Because as you talk and I start, I'm starting to feel uh, a connection between you as a person, individual trying and to understand what's going on mm -hmm. and using a lot of this stuff as a vessel for your exploration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, I, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm present, I'm alive. I'm, I'm blessed to be alive, experiencing man, 
you know, and it's been a, it's been a journey, man, for, for myself, you know, for all of us. Um, but yeah, this, there's just, I've seen unfolding in my life simultaneously while having those conversations, um, because at different points on the journey, you see, and not just myself, different points on the journey for the people involved in the book as well. You just see still similar hurdles that you're still leaping over. It's it's almost like, you know, you're running the hurdle. Like you jumped it, there's one coming, you know, keep going. You know, there will always be. So that unfolding, you know, isn't like an arrival um, by any stretch of the imagination, but um, continued things are moving in a direction that I'm happy about in myself and having the maturity to examine those things and to be introspective about them and to kind of look my issues in the face. Um, so that's what that, but yeah, the book has definitely been that for me. And I, I mean, I've just been in different places mentally. I've been in places of like self-hatred, mm. um, self-sabotage, uh, places of like throwing pity parties subconsciously i never thought i'd do that you know i didn't think that was what i was about but when i began to look deeper at certain behaviors and like oh i'm addicted to this uh because it helps me with this or that and you know even if i'm not saying that you know the actions are speaking um being able to get better through those things um and to move through them and um to to hold myself accountable um so yeah the book the book has definitely helped me with that. And, and I find like, it's, it's just like, we're always on that journey. Man. Yeah. It's just like, we never, we never arrive, but the beauty of sharing those things with other people and to constantly grow again, like communally, you know, that, that idea makes its way into like my work in different ways, whether that's through sculpture or performance um, and trying to, to just unpack what that means and what that looks like when we live in an individual body and we're a singular in a whole. Um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a blessing. And I feel like I'm in a better place. Like I can say that to say things, the book has a lot to do with manifestation and creating the life you want for yourself and, and what that can look like. Obviously not, um, we can't control, things outside of us but understanding what we can do to make the changes we want to see right and examining that and um with that being said like you know i I live in hawaii uh which is magic you know i never (laughs) thought i'd be here you know um but that's through applying the things i've learned having this book seeing something that you envision sitting down and you know again when when carl jones in the book says he envisioned that he was going to have like one of the most influential cartoons of this generation while he's selling bootleg dvds in north carolina right yeah and and he sees it you know and then he creates the boondocks and black dynamite and not you know living and dying on the mountaintop of like this you know, only mysticism and like, I can see it, it's going to happen. <laughs> but understanding the trifecta right. of 
and this is one thing that's worked in my life the trifecta of being open in meditation to where i should go because maybe where i thought i should go um is due to programming or what they're doing or what she said i should do or what he said i should do or what i even think i should do or maybe that's being safe so meditating being present and then as you begin to get to a much clearer place in a place of stillness then beginning to ask those questions why within yourself which then leads to kind of the second point of that pyramid or triangle if you will of as those answers begin to come seeing it and seeing it clearly and saying okay if this is for me then it will come and knowing that it can come uh and it will come if it's for you and seeing it crystal clear and then the third piece is then doing it and doing everything you can to make that a reality and that for me has served me very well and um even in things i want to see i don't want to be a victim man like i don't want to i don't want to have a victim mentality uh and finding myself having that as as a younger a younger guy and moving through that what that what does that look like what would that look like when i'm a father you know if that if that happens um and uh and seeing it and then working towards it taking the steps maybe that means changing my diet of what i'm listening to yeah i like that track but maybe that's not feeding a part of me that i need right now uh and taking that out um yeah i love that show but it's about people and it's like a doggy dog situation and they're climbing for the top worshiping materialism maybe that's not the show for me right now um and physically with diet maybe this food makes me feel down and large i just want to sit down and uh, you know let me not eat that you know um so all of those things all of those things and those are the conversations that we're talking about in the book and how we move through them and how it's an everyday journey um and then it gets it gets to different parts of that right because you know for me like i had very strong like self hatred and it's like and i never had my finger on it i didn't walk around like i hate myself but it's subconscious mm, right because yeah. i'm like yeah. always beating myself up yeah and self sabotage what i didn't do yeah like going into a relationship and like you know not being like oh it's not going to work or like you know i have these issues even just presenting myself initially in a certain way on a date or whatever because maybe i don't fully accept who i am mm. you know what i mean yeah. and so it's like yeah no you have to sift through that and these are the things we talk about in the book like how you do that um darnell elmore man uh some of our really admire talks about that in the book about accepting himself and his sexuality and coming from a very you know strict religious upbringing and being in seminary and studying theology and the self-hatred that came with you know i'm not supposed to be gay right and and realizing and having to unpack that um so it's it's all of those things but yeah i, I had a lot of self-hatred and it it manifested itself getting to a point of you know wanting uh and attempting um to to take my life and and really just like not wanting to be alive in general 
um, and feeling like, what's the point, you know, and being in a very dark place and just like being a, a slave to my, uh, my emotion. And mm, my mood. Yeah. And it, re- it required education because ignorance, ignorance is, uh, it has a negative connotation. Obviously no one wants to be ignorant, but it's not a way of saying like you ignorant, you know what I mean? It's, it's about understanding things about yourself. And that comes through sometimes learning from the philosophers of the past, um, or in this case, this book, and how people have moved through those things. So yeah, people like Marcus Aurelius and, and reading meditations and, and studying certain texts uh, from old about philosophy and how you know these things are our brain responding to various things. And you can begin to hijack that CPU, that computer that is your mind and begin to make the changes and shifts. And, and again, another trifecta, mind, body, and soul, and put those things together to begin to manifest the life you want. And I'm seeing that in my life, you know, and again, life is a promise. So that manifestation of that beauty that can unfold happens when it happens. Absolutely. You know, and it, and it's not to say this is what's going to happen then this far down the road, you know, but being present for the journey, you know, so, yeah. Ah, that's real, man. Yo, this is it's a great book, man. It, it's inspired that kind of thought, man. When I read it, I inspired the same kind of thought you you were going through right there, man. But I love to hear it because, like, when you hear artists um, operating with that kind of intention, right, and allowing mm-hmm. to being a part of the journey, I think that's the great part about being an artist and being a maker is mm-hmm. as you go through the journey, the thing that you produce changes. It can also convey that feeling to other people. And so nothing is nothing is better than that. One one thing I want to say, uh, as you was going through in on the book, page 277, I am owning my time and trauma so I can be a full person. That's exactly mm-hmm. uh, where you hit that's on. Leon Ford, right? Yeah. 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 And that's exactly yeah, what man. you hit on as, as you were going through it. I think it's part of part of that is the part about masculinity um that we don't talk about is the under mm-hmm. the way you can embrace uncertainty as a good thing and it's not a mm-hmm. bad thing and it doesn't have to be the end of the world like you can you just be going through a journey if you are accepting of it you can get to a much more positive place like on the other side of it than a lot of the people and in it, the book that talk about that yeah and it's it's the only thing like it's because then what else is it? It's, it's stress, it's anxiety, it's worry. Because you're not like controlling. We just don't, we can't, we don't have that kind of control. You know, you can control how you respond to situations. You can have an idea and what you want to see happen and take all the steps. And that's, again, with this book. So again, it's like the themes in this book apply directly to me right now, right? Like I, I've spent, two years on this book. All I have control over is the work I put into it, wanting to make something of quality and aligning myself with a team that sees the vision and sending the emails I need to send, letting people know it exists. That's what I control. Do I want to to see it blossom into something, you know, big and impactful that that touches the lives of a lot of people? Yes, that's the intention. Um, but that's the part I don't have control over. So mm-hmm. it's letting go and saying whatever it needs to be at this point in time is what it will be. 
And while I'm breathing and living, I will continue to try to tap in. And again, like I said, I'm I'm not religious, but again, it's because I come from a long line of pastors. I have like it's like five generations of pastors. So <laughs> in a way, I'm like a, a a different version. But it's um, I say that because it's like yeah, like it's uh, it's understanding, man. That whatever whatever it's gonna be, like that's what it's gonna be, man. Um, it's it's uh, that's what I was gonna say, like allowing God or whatever the universe wants it to be, that's what it will be. And we just don't have control over the other things. So it's like the serenity prayer. Right. It's like grant me the serenity to, right. you know, know what I can, yeah, I'm, I'm butchering it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something about yeah, that. Yeah, change, change the things I can and accept the that. things that I can't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. that's what's up man no this is, this is a, a powerful book man i'm recommending it to everybody i'm still going through it um uh, and digesting it and i'm and it's one of those books that as you read these conversations to me i'm all about connections especially when we talk about connecting to other black men that are speaking so honestly about what they're doing it's something that you can't breeze through it you have to digest it because these people are opening themselves up to you and you have yeah. to be open and you have to give yourself the time to absorb all that is in front of you. The things that are said and are not said. Right. And in how it relates to everything that we're talking about. So it's it's a story of people like that. That's this book. So I can't recommend it enough. As, as we get to the end here, I do want to ask you when you were making it or thinking about making it. Do you have like maybe three or more people that you knew for sure you wanted in the book? Hmm. Reading and hearing about Leon Ford's story, mm. um, that was a big one because, uh, man, that is a wise, smart young brother right there. Um, he was uh, shot at by police um, after a traffic stop and was left paralyzed and his resilience, great attitude towards life, it's very inspirational. Um, and that was someone who I really wanted in the book. Um, as an art fan and as an artist, Pope Bell is- uh, Oh yeah, love him, yeah. That's, that's a legend. Um, because I'm, I'm attracted in the art, well personally in the work I create is very conceptual. And um, I just wouldn't, the type of work that you know I create is on the shoulders of uh, of Popo, and I would also say um, to tie into that uh, Hank Willis Thomas, mm -hmm. who's also in the book. Um, and lastly, Virgil Abloh. You know, the book is dedicated to Virgil Abloh. That was the moonshot. That was the that was like, man, could I get him in the book? Do I even have the audacity to ask? <laughs> because man, like he literally uh man man rest in peace brother man yeah, this for man, sure. man virgil because it's deconstructing so many of the systems you know he broke down the door went into the system so he did believe it's time he 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 did that but he created his own things he created off-white and it's the bringing together of ideas he surrounded himself with great people to get to a place. And 
he never had limitations. So if he wanted to design a, a car and partner on that, he did that with Mercedes. If he wanted to work with a chair and, and create something based on the furniture designs that inspired him, you know, uh, yeah, he, he went and did that. And um, the contemporary art world, he dabbled with poetry, filmmaking, sculpture. Um, I mean, and that to me is like what it's about. Because there's different ways to examine and to go deeper within ourselves, and uh, yeah, I'm 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 about the art man, because there's beauty there and there's connection there, and uh, so yeah, he was the moonshot, and three weeks before he passed, wow, he, he gave me the go ahead, wow, uh, through his through his legal team, um, so I didn't have the opportunity to meet him but that was a big deal man that was like a really that like i was like tearing up like man it's crazy yeah that's huge and then man. my sister sent me a message uh i'm sorry to hear about virgil i'm like what is she talking about because there's just it was just so unfathomable but that's what we're talking about with life man yeah and it's like seizing the day carpe diem and that's part of that. And part of that's very important because he was going through what he was going through knowingly yeah. and still gave you permission to do it as part of it. Like he's still continuing to work and, and spread his his art to other people. That now nah, man, it's amazing, man. And that that art and that work takes on so many different things, whether that's inspiration or while that's creating funds and systems to help again break down those barriers yeah so he put his money where his mouth is and that's you know if i'm allowed the opportunity to do that i try to do that every day in the the micro again <laughs> kind of talking about that if i you know see a homeless person or whatever the situation is but yeah as you're you know to whom much is given much is tested is you know as you're given these opportunities not hoarding and you know becoming a slave to consumerism and materialism but actually utilizing that platform to to create new things for other people. Um, so that, yeah, man, that's what he did. Uh, that legacy lives on. And yeah, man, my work now is heavily, heavily inspired. I mean, my first book, I literally utilized the Helvetica font because I understood in culture how that font, you know, has been utilized, whether it's Joy Division or even Carrie Mae Weems work, Lorna Simpson utilizing that font, and then you have Virgil Abloh using that font. It has a very universal language, even the subway signs in New York. Yeah, yeah. And so, but he was one of those people and um, just an inspiration because he did the music. I, I make music as well. He, he did it all, man. And uh, yeah, man, I was, I was a major fan of, uh, of everything he did, and I still am. And there's still stuff unrolling projects he had um utilizing his time brilliant yeah and that's that's what i was gonna say it's the last thing i want to say um because i remember i kind of lost my train of thought when i was talking about the past and thing but what it was is that worship mm. worship like what is worship you know again you know some of the church folk you know it's like when we go on sunday it's like praise and worship but that idea of, of praise is like a thank you and then the worship is like, I like, this is me like really coming and like 
And I think the way you live your life, let that be the biggest form of worship to whatever, to, to existence. If you don't believe in God, the, the beauty and the miracle of breath and life. And let that worship be that every day I'm going to utilize my gifts as much as possible to make the world a little bit better of a place. And um, that's what it's about, man. No, I don't have that much time. No. It's just being here, yeah. being present for each day. Yeah, absolutely, man. Living, living well. Yeah, you know? that's it right there, Take man. <laughs> yeah, man. That's it right there. Oh, man. It's so great talking to you, man. This has been a fantastic conversation, man. Telling people where they can get in contact with you and telling people uh, where they can get the book. Last pitch for everybody to go get your book. Yeah. Thanks again, brother. Um, So I'm on Instagram at Glenn underscore Lutz, G-L-E-N-N. And then there's my work at GlennLutz.com. In the book, There's Light, it's available at Amazon or Barnes and Noble and independent bookstores is we're coming into that place. It releases on July 12th, but it's available for pre-order now. And you can get that at the link in my bio on, uh, at my Instagram page, or you can go to there's light.com and just order it directly from the site. Um, as well as a link from my publishing company, liarraff.com or my art website, glennlutz.com. So either way you can get there, but yeah. Yes, definitely support it, man. It's a powerful, powerful book. You heard it right here. I read it. Listen to your boy. I read it. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely great. You got to get a hold of it, man. Thank you so much, man. It's been such a powerful no, conversation, you. brother. Thank you for sharing the platform, brother. I appreciate your work and be blessed. Peace and love to you and yours, brother. Thank you, man. And that's it. Another episode of Studio Noise in the Bag. Big shout out to Glenn Lutz. Big shout out to you. Run over to IG, enter that contest, get you one of these books. You won't regret it. You won't be mad at your boy for giving it to you. I promise you that. It's a great book. Next week, we got top chef, top artist, Roscoe Hall on the podcast. My man, have a lot of fun with that one. To all my artists out there, mentorship. Think about it. Share them secrets. Don't keep it to yourself. It ain't no fun. <laughs> it ain't no fun. Share it with everybody. Do something. Make some noise. It's your boy, Jake Barber. We'll be back with you next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Studio Noise Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please take a second to rate us and write a review to make sure everybody knows about the noise. Follow us on Instagram at Studio Noise Podcast.